welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. All right, everybody. Again, you know, Lee Brovadani joins us every month, and uh, she's the trust architect, but she's also known as a soul uh, journey doula. Soul Journey Doula, a doula, a death doula. She's the end of life midwife and helps people transition to the next phase. Is that right? Am I saying this correctly, Lee? Yeah, you are, you know, and it, it whenever someone hears that and they know me, they kind of look at me and give me this like, but you're always cracking jokes and you're fun. Oh, you got to have fun. Yeah. I mean, because I look at death as the next adventure. And I'm going to link this in the show notes, everyone. Uh, Lee's interview last month or a couple of months ago, um, talking about how to embrace the end of life because people get nervous talking about death and passing on. But it's something just as we all come into this world, we all go out, you know, yeah. so um, it, it is interesting. And um, it's scary. And I think that's the big thing is it's fear. And you don't yeah. want to leave things to the last minute either. So today's show is all focused about caring who cares, who's going to care for you or your loved one. Um, and and I think so many people are caregivers that didn't expect to be caregivers in the world now. And it's kind of going, we're kind of reversing, going back to what history was like. Families took care of loved ones and then yes, all of a yeah. sudden people got shipped out and now it's back in <laughs> yeah. and shipped out. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think people put enough thought into it. They say, well, you know, I'm going to die. So, but, you know, who's going to take care of you? And if you want to die, if you want to die in a hospital, that's one thing. Do you have the finances to take care of all of that? There are all kinds of hospices that you can talk to. Some of them are not for profit and they will actually take you in. But you have to do the research and know who they are. And if you want to die from home, you know, like if you've only got a couple of people who said that, yeah, I'll take care of you. It's not enough. It's just not enough. Oh, so wow. you have to give some thought about who cares for you mm, at the end. And yeah. I mean, sometimes things happen suddenly. Yeah. And so you kind of, kind of think of that too. Like if, you know, God forbid you're in a car accident and you're, you know, out and that's it. You're in a coma <laughs> or something like that. And then they have your terminal and, and not coming back to life with quality of life. And someone has to be the person who says, okay, I'm pulling the switch. And that's a really difficult role to be the person in doing that and the family yeah. having to go through that. So in a way, do you think people have to have these conversations um, sooner than later? Because it can happen to any of us right now. Yeah. And, you know, my when my mom was um, first diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she was just at the start so she could still you know, she was she was good. There was just starting to see that forgetfulness. But she had all her faculties as far as making difficult decisions. And I talked to her and said, Mom, you know, let's let's figure out what you want done so that all of this is exactly what you want. And she panicked. Like she didn't want to have anything to do with it. She went, no, no, and kind of this, hands up, nope. Um, that's something that you guys will have to figure out. So we didn't have any kind of an indication about what she wanted and completely shut down. And, and I understand that, but in the same regard, it is such a caring thing to do 
to give your family an idea of what it is they can do to help comfort you. Mm. Because otherwise, you know, it you're just kind of thrown up. And if you want to die from home and and it's just you and maybe one other person, you're going to have to hire someone so that you can sleep. Honestly, oh, yeah. it's like a 24-hour um around the clock kind of care. And so if you have to hire someone, the hourly rates to get someone to come into the home are the lowest rate that I found was $20 an hour. And then it goes up to $50 an hour. So you have to figure out, um, sorry, I'm getting these little pop-up things that are asking me to sign into another, another window. I'll just shut that down. So you have to figure out, like, if if you can afford it, yeah, Mm -hmm. go that route. Find out the agencies in town where you can hire someone or get your family to hire someone and figure out. Because if it's if if you're at the end of life and you're in bed, yeah, you could look at, you know, Jimmy Carter, who was just this amazing guy and he was put in hospice care. How many months ago? Yeah. And still here. So if you were to look at that, like three months later, at 10 hours a day, or let's say even eight hours a day, times 50, if you're doing the high rate, that's $400 a day. Wow. Do the math. Yeah. And and not just hospice care in in a facility. If, you know, at your house, you still have your house you're paying for. And yeah. You have to think about it being ahead because no one wants to do it on credit, right? Hoping yeah. you have to, you, well, Sorry, I'm, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing about, you know, collecting is difficult. Yeah, collecting. So are things pretty much at that point being like upfront payment because, or are they going to start knocking on your, your family's door? Yeah. But there's other ways of going about this too. All of us, okay. you know, most of us, if you're lucky enough, to be part of a community. If you're going into hospice, then it's time to send out, you know, this is where social media really is a positive thing. You can, if if you can get get someone to spearhead it, you send out a notice and say, we need a team. And if we can get people to volunteer. So let's say if you have 20 volunteers of people who are in the neighborhood and they don't even have to know you, that's the whole thing. There's a lot of people that are those compassionate souls that will say, of course, I'll volunteer three hours a week to come and sit with this person. Oh, yeah. And so there's all kinds of ways that you can set up a community of care. And don't forget things like kids, too, because yeah. everyone I've talked to that, especially the elderly, um, kids are so much better at handling this than you give them credit for. When my kids were little and my my father-in-law was dying, we thought, oh, no, we have to keep the kids away from this because, you know, he yeah. was toward the end of his life. It was my daughter in her wisdom who at, what was she, like maybe nine years old, who said, mommy, everybody else gets to say goodbye to my nono. Why don't I? I love him, too. And she was amazing with him because she went in. And talk to him and he, he lit up. It was so special. 
for him and for her. And this is youth, youthful energy. Yeah. You know, and, and energy, energy is like transferable, right? So when you're sitting with someone who's, you know, ready to transition, you're giving them that little extra bolt of, you know, battery juice in a way. And love, but, you know, and, yeah, what and a love. wonderful way to, to exit on that yeah. high note of, of love and uh, knowing that you've had an opportunity. So really, children and animals and friends, don't mm. block them. Give them oh, the yeah. opportunity to say, you know, and I know some people who say, no, I can't, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't be around it. I'm, it scares me or whatever. You know, respect, respect where people are. Yeah, I think because if they're that uncomfortable, they're going to make the other person uncomfortable and not cozy with what's happening. Because if someone walked, you know, it depends if you're ready to, you could be scared like, you know, nervous about it, which is a natural thing to go through about going to hang out with someone or care for them. Yeah. Um, but once you, you know, it's it's the same thing as, you know, I take care of a lot of animals, right? And I'm not comparing humans and animals, but compassion is compassion, right? Yeah, absolutely. And once you do, it's like, you really don't care about how dirty you get. You're in, you're in. And you can have fear with things and get past it pretty quick by just jumping in and changing your attitude going, yep, and, and acknowledging you're scared, and then jumping in. And I think that's what's so cool about you being the soul journey doula, coming from, you know, the trust architect, your background in trust, and I know you still, she's still the trust architect. So you know, so just saying, um, but you deal with emotional intelligence. Yeah. And these kinds of life situations um, requires emotional intelligence from all sides from the person who's leaving and going to the next plane and for the people surrounding him or her. And so there's this intelligence that has to happen, but really I think it is the caring and compassion that will take over. So your fear may subside once you step into that zone as, you know, the person wanting to care and be compassionate and helpful, get past your fear by just jumping in. You have to get on stage sometime in life. And it, it, a friend of mine who was is also a death doula, she was at the bedside uh, of a fellow who was dying and his family were surrounding him and they kept saying, you know, can I get you a pillow? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then she looked at him and she could just see he was going like, I need a space from all of this because he was spending energy trying to comfort people who were there and wailing and crying and everything. And so she's really perceptive, very empathetic. And she said, I need to have a private conversation with whoever is, let's say his name was John. Can I ask everybody to leave the room for a moment? And they went, oh, okay. And they left the room. And his, he kind of said, oh my, thank God they were driving me nuts. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of interesting that, um, People don't change that much. It's not, it's not like, okay, I'm dying and I've always been an introvert and now I want 40 people around my bedside. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like I wouldn't, you know. Yeah. I would absolutely know that I might be able to visit you, but you know, I Yeah, you can because you have a sense of humor. If you don't have a sense of humor, don't come in. You must have a sense of humor. That is required. That's a, that is a must. You, if you come in whining and crying and, you know, no, we, we want laughter. That's the only yeah. thing accepted and wine. And wine. Yeah. I and animals. I want the animals. I want the animals. 
that's you know that's where you calm down i think there's something and animals do not leave the animals out you brought that up and i think that's really important for someone yeah. i think they've done so many studies about how you know dogs and cats and in different animals bring joy to those who are suffering um and and also transitioning where the animals have this and this these different senses that we haven't quite gotten as humans yeah yet. yeah and and i you know, I know how my animals react when I leave for a period of time sure. and they, you know, it's, it feels like there's this whole abandonment thing. And then when I come home, it's the, oh my God, you're home and all of that happy dance. Well, I would never want my animals to think that I had abandoned them permanently. Oh, right. So if, if I, and I, I think I've been told that I will die too. I'm not quite believing it, even though I'm a death doula. But I would want my animals there so yeah. that they know that I haven't abandoned them, that they know yeah. that, you know, I'm I'm leaving because I'm it's it's not my choice. And they accept that. We had our dog, when we had one of our dogs, um, when it was her end of life, mm. we had Booker there, uh, which is our older dog now. And he he was right there in the thick of things, smelling her and kind of nudging her. And he recognized when she was gone. And mm-hmm. and he mourned too. It's not like mm-hmm. he just said, yep, okay, they that's do. okay. He um uh, immediately afterwards he went and laid in her spot. And there was mm-hmm. a couple of days where he wouldn't eat very much. Yeah. But he knew she was gone. Mm-hmm. And, then and the animals are used to that cycle. Animals yeah. are used to the the circle of life a little bit more than human beings because we have all the societal, civilized sort of civilized stuff that we do. Yeah, you know what I mean. We, we've we put on clothes and we've you know we've we've changed from being cavemen to what we are today. I mean, we have agriculture. Dogs don't grow things; they go out and hunt and gather. You know, they don't gather, but they they hunt. You know, think about them. Yeah. Even dachshunds come from wolves. It's still weird, but but, but yeah. <laughs> that that one my head <laughs> it's it's wild isn't it but the reality is you know we put on all these societal things and sometimes that's part of the fear is we you know we're breaking the mold when we transition yeah we don't we're not wearing the same clothes every day anymore we've changed and uniforms what i'd like everybody to do at this moment is get a piece of paper and ask themselves who cares who would care for you? Who are the pe- mm. people who would step up and uh, be there for a couple of hours a day? Or do you have a community? If you belong to a church, mm. would you be able to put out something on the church and get people to come in from there? If you don't belong to a church, is there another organization? You know, like I kind of think, well, if I if something happened to me, um, I belong to an improv club. Yeah. And I think it would be a riot. I could say to people, okay, come put a play on. Or if you're musically inclined, who will come and sing you a song? Or, you know, like all of those things. Who are the people you want to surround you so that when you are exiting, it is a place where you can say, okay, I'm ready to do the transition. I've been surrounded by love and joy. And and that's how I'm leaving. Mm. And cake. And cake. <laughs> and wine. Oh, yeah. Really, you know, that's what's so interesting and funny to me is like, okay, you're at the end of your life and then you're not supposed to do this and that. And I'm like, dude, I'm eating the bacon. 
I'm going with the bacon and the wine. If I'm going, I really don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm, I might even try all the drugs I never tried because why not try them? You know what I mean? I've never done all these drugs. So I'm like, yeah, if I'm on my way out, I could find out what they're really like. Yeah. There's no chance of me becoming an addict. You know, I'm just, I remember when my father, you know what I mean? In his final, he was in his final week and he was on morphine because um, death is painful, just to let you know. Everything I've been told, not that I've experienced it, but from what I've been told by all the nurses and hospice care workers and doctors is that death isn't painful. The disease that is causing the death may be right. painful. And so you you manage the disease. Mm. And you manage the pain from the disease. If it's old age and you're passing away, it's actually fairly peaceful. But Here's the whole thing. When my dad was dying and he had esophageal cancer, which was painful, they had him on a morphine drip. And I don't know which one of my relatives said, oh, but aren't you afraid he's going to get addicted? No. No. <laughs> and who cares? He had a point. week. He, he, he lived a week longer from the time they put him on that. And we're giving him fairly high doses. No, it wasn't a problem. Mm-mm. So morphine you have fun. to think practically too. Mor- morphine is fun. I had that when I had my arm surgery, and then Nancy had to say no more, <laughs> no more, because I was and having we a off. Too- yeah, no. When when I left the hospital and everything, then you know they gave me Vicodin, and then Nancy said no more. Um, no, you will not be, because I was watching SNL reruns. Saturday Night Live reruns and one minute I thought it, they were absolutely hysterical and one minute sobbing like a baby and that it was just not a good drug for me I, it was like a you know weird no and so she, she just took me off the pills and said here have a glass of wine and not I didn't even drink a lot of wine I could barely move because I had my arm was they put a rod in my arm and um, I really didn't need those pills at all and so yeah. a lot of times you don't need them and you want your, like I'm talking about, you know, oh, let me try all those drugs. Not really, because I think I would want to be present. Yeah. You know, if I think it's going to be the last time I'm saying goodbye to a family member or, or a loved one or a friend, I want to be present for it. Yeah. I mean, we, we make jokes about it, but I do too. I want to yeah. see the face of my loved one and I want to be able to have that conversation where I say to them, you know, like I, I really ha- have enjoyed being with you and having that opportunity. And one of the things as, as an end of life doula or death doula or mm-hmm. death mm-hmm. midwife, whichever one you want to use is we, we make sure that the people that you want to see, if we can at all possible, get them to you mm-hmm. and, and spend some time with you. But also those people who you say, I couldn't stand aunt blah, 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 who, what, whatever her name is. And, you know, all she'll do is cry. And then she might tell me all of the things that I did wrong, which is why I'm dying. And like, I don't need that right now. Right. So at the, you know, who cares when I talk about who cares, who do you want to be there? Yeah. Well, and that's something to think about in life in general. Like, who are your true friends, right? Who are the friends that, you know, stab you in the back? Who are the friends that are really there for the the rough times when you can call up and at two in the morning, who are your two in the morning phone friends? You know what I yeah. mean? When you can call at two in the morning and say, 
you know, I'm broken at the side of the road. I don't know this happened or whatever it is. And they answered the phone, you know what I mean? When they know it's you, those are the friends, I think, you know, one of the things that was really comforting for me are the stories that I heard about my dad after he died that I didn't know about. Like I had one friend who came up and said that when they were um, teenagers and they were, this is, I'm Canadian, so it was a place in Calgary that people used to go and make out and it was cold and they had the car running and they ran out of gas and they didn't call her father or his father because they just knew that they'd been for a lot of grief. They called my dad at two in the morning. So he was at two in the morning friend. That's what made me. And I, I, they said he got up out of bed, got a jerry can, filled it, got their car running, gave them a rough time. My dad had this, you know, I don't know if I'd say it was a good sense of humor, but he was funny and could be quite sarcastic, gave them a rough time, but they knew that he was one of the two o'clock friends that they could call. Exactly. And he never, never told anybody. Oh, wow. Saying, you know, they were making out and they had to call me. No, dad was obviously good at keeping secrets too. Yeah. You know, and I think people learn from their mistakes and giving someone grace. And yeah. that's what a good friendship is. And it's also, yeah, if you're not, you know, when you're sick, you really don't want the world to see you on Zoom, right? You don't want to be on a Zoom call <laughs> when you're sick, right? That and was so, last month. I had COVID. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and the like, last minute. I could have talked, but it wouldn't have made sense. And I didn't look good. No, no. But but friends, right? You've got your friends that you don't care if they come into your hospital room or your room and you're gross or whatever. But that will help you through that. And yeah. there's people that it's like, oh, they're they're going to like look you look down on you. You know oh. what I mean? It's like you're not wearing the newest pajamas or you know what I mean? There's people that don't um, take you for who you are as your soul, as your being. And so when you think about that and, and caregivers, you know, you think about it, like caregivers are true caregivers. Like they really don't care, you know? And, and I realized that going in the hospital, I was scared when I had my surgery and, and it was a last, it was, a, it was a an accident and all of that. And I'm like the scariest, like anything to stay away from white coats, I will do. And it was like my worst nightmare come true for me wow. at that time. And I was paranoid. They had to cut my jeans off in the actual waiting room because I was cold and wet um, from the rain in the winter. And um, I, I, the accident was that I was pushed into a pool, but I jumped and then the person held me and I spilled around and my, oh, it shattered my arm. It was a joke. And, you know, you know, me and humor, I thought it was funny. So I just jumped. So I wouldn't be pushed, but it was a joke. And the person just grabbed mm-hmm. me and I twisted around and they're like, who's your doctor? And I'm like, what do you mean? I just got here. <laughs> Next thing I'm in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I was, wow. so I was cold and wet. It was in the middle of winter and they had to cut my clothes off. And I'm like, what is this? this is like a movie. This is crazy. And then you're embarrassed, right? Because now your clothes are being taken off in the waiting room and there's no room for you in the hospital and they're and I'm shaking so much they're putting padding on me and I'm like but then you see none of those caregivers give a rat's ass about and your ass a lot of naked bodies they, care, so. they don't care they care about you and getting you to not have you know shock like I was going to go into shock they, yeah. they, they, they stopped me on that and and then that really taught me that 
you sometimes just have to trust. Here we go back to trust, right? Because you're so fearful. Yeah, we've come full circle. Look at that. But that's what death is <laughs> going full circle. Yeah. And so I had to learn to trust and understand that people that care beyond your family, your mom and, and real good, good friends, like you were talking about a church group and even strangers. It's absolutely amazing when you realize that there are truly good people that care and compassionate and are selfless in this world. And there really, really are. And the more we propagate that amongst ourselves within ourselves to be that person, the more it's going to come back to you. I believe. You know, I've got um, a lot of friends who talk about the the energy vibration you give off and whether you think that's woo Mm -hmm. or not. What I do think is that um, people are attracted to positivity. Yes. And you'll find that, you know, so, so whether it's like, we can explain it scientifically, we can explain it. Why there's not a lot of people who want to be around people who complain constantly. And so at the end of your life, the people who are going to be attracted to you and are there and who cares are going to be the people who have been attracted to the positive things that you do. So it is also, when I talk about who cares, it's also kind of a lesson on who do you want to start attracting at this moment. Mm. And if, if you find that you're surrounded by people who are complaining all the time, then, then maybe look at the fact that that's what you're attracting and ask why. Maybe you're complaining. Yeah. Don't you. Yeah. You want, you want good people. And, and, um, Sometimes people come into your life and kind of bulldoze their way in and you let them in and give them those chances. Even when you know, deep down, like, "Eh, don't do that either. (laughs) Because they're the ones that you have to now put on the list of don't let them in my room when I'm going, you know, don't you want to kind of wheedle that list as you be conscious of it to live a more fruitful life. Isn't that part of, you know, being an end of life doula, isn't that kind of an interesting thing that you're actually preparing people more for life here than when they go? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a program that um, I was trained in. It's called the best three months. Mm. And it's to visualize that in this moment, exactly as you are, it's not a car accident. It's not, you have been given a prognosis of three months to live. Mm. And we go through, how do you want to live those three months? In the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and practical. So all of those aspects. And you start looking at how to live Mm. in order to have the death that you want, which I think, you know, people think that it's Mm -hmm. depressing, but it's not. It gives, it's kind of, um, there's a, a great meme that I saw, which was, how do you want to, like, that period? How do you want to live up to that? So the end of your life, there's a sentence and then there's a period period at the end, which is the final moment. What do you want to say up until that point? And so when you start thinking about we, um, who do you want to surround you? Who cares? The people that you want to care 
are going to be a direct result of what you give out. Mm. Yeah. We'll come back. I like that. I like that. Well, I think I'm going to have a lot of dogs and cats and donkeys around me. With all the pet sitting we do, no, we'll be surrounded yeah. by, we'll be in a barn somewhere. <laughs> just, but see, I can't think of a place that you would be happier. I can just see you lying in this really comfortable cot with a little donkey coming up and nuzzling your your ear, and, and oh yeah, I mean, be going, oh, I love this, I love this. Well, the last donkey we took care of, he nips your boobs and your butt, so I'm hoping, like you know, well, because anything that sticks out, he he wasn't like. You know, with teeth, he just kind of, hello. <laughs> so, a little nose you know, thing. so, yeah, if you're feeling a little lonely, go to the stall and see cool, cool and Luke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess the thing, animals make you laugh, you know? Yeah. And, and they're, they, you know, we always talk about dogs being your best friend because they don't put you down. They listen. They don't, you know, poke fingers at you and, and things like that. And that's really it. At the end of the day, things happen and you sometimes have to just look and go, okay, that happened. Now what? Not be so emotionally traumatized on everything, you yeah. know, and, and death is like, okay, well, that's the next step. That's yeah. the next journey. I'm kind of excited. I'm not ready, but I'm excited because I'm dying to know what happens. Like, no pun intended. You're dying to know, like we're all dying. At, yeah. I know, but aren't you excited about it? Like, are you excited to see, I mean, and if it's just that a big void of nothingness, that's like a big waste. Like, I don't believe that. I just don't because energy doesn't die. So I'm just, I want to know what happens from there. And even if, if, even if it is just like I go back into the earth and they, you know, maggots eat me and stuff, then I want to see, oh, cool. I fed something. Yeah. I just want to know. That's all. You know, and that's part of the reason that, um, you know, I've given pretty, I don't know if I've written it down. So that's a good point. But I want to be wrapped in linen that disintegrates. And I want a tree planted in front of, you know, on top of me mm-hmm. so that it's, it's nurturing and feeding this beautiful tree that's growing, you know, and so, so I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't want to be in this metal box. So that's the end of things. I want to yeah. be part of the cycle. I want to be brought back yeah. World the box is of- like claustrophobia to me. That's like you're stuck in an elevator for the rest of your next yeah. transition. Yeah. I'm not into that, but I'm into the earth because then you become part of the network, which are the fungus and the trees, because the fungus and the tree roots grow together in these massive systems underground. And even the fungus are older than the dinosaurs. So if I turn and that's you think about it, fungus and mushrooms are part human, part animal. And part plant. So we have a percentage of tree and fungus DNA in our bodies as human beings. Cool. I, I, you know, here's when I wish. I'm getting um, weird now. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're not getting, you know, I think this is, this is that's, that's normal. Always have a really interesting conversation. <laughs> and I love to know when people are listening to this, I, I always kind of envisioning yeah. all of you who are listening there. Some of you, are you going, Oh my oh, God. Like, what are they talking about? And others who are going, yeah, and I've got this additional yeah, yeah. story. I'd love to hear some of the stories. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to have some, I think we're going to have some panel discussions coming up in 2024 on death. Oh, that'd I be think, cool. I mean, come on. It's not a, you know, it's part of life. Life and death are hand in hand. It's like you can't have the devil without, you know, Jesus and God and God and Jesus can't be there without the devil. Hmm. Salt and pepper, you know, same thing. 
you have to have those opposites and and that's what makes things spin well and that someone someone asked you know do you want a, a priest well no i'm not catholic and or a minister or whatever and i said see i want to cover all the bases because i've lived in india for a while so um i i want a shaman i want a uh, oh. Hindu, I want a Muslim, I want Christian, I want, I want someone, <laughs> I want a Wiccan, you know. You're either going to have like unity that. or World War Three. One of the two, you're going to go up with a bang. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to be represented by, because yeah. I think that there is kind of a universal, universality. When, when I have listened to all of the different religions, I see more in common with them. Mm then more division, all of the tenets of yes. what makes each of the religions, I think all of them kind of share that. So they do. Mm-hmm. When, when we die, who knows where we go? Some people believe in reincarnation. Some p- people believe in heaven and hell and everything. I'm not quite sure. I don't want to go to hell. I'm not in the mood, but then it'll be warm. So <laughs> a little hot. But I don't want to go there if, if there is one, you know, and, and all that. But I do want to touch on this before we go. You know, life has, is different now and how we pass and you're talking about building communities and having your friends and, and that can shift through the years. You know, yeah. change happens. Some people come into your life, they say for a reason and a season or a season and a reason they come in and then or they go time. and it's just the way life is. And there's always this connection and, and no matter who, what or where, it's supposed to be, you know, there's lessons to be learned, all of those things. But what I am hearing um, through, you know, other podcasts and, and articles and, you know, just seeing happening is that there's a lot of um, friends retiring together, people buying houses together, people going, okay, well, you know what, our husbands are gone, let's just go buy a house and together we'll pull our money so that we do have care so there's a lot of um, untraditional things happening now, especially in the baby boomer generation. And that's okay. You've got to do what you got to do. And if it makes you happy, who cares? And so we're seeing a lot of that kind of thing happening and, um, and, and communities, retirement communities that are not your typical retirement communities, you know, um, so it's not always, you know, the golden girls in Florida, though. That was cool. But that was a good example, right? Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know those, way before their time. Yeah. Those women knew how to take care of each other. And so that was their, you know, so your friends and your circle can be in so many different ways. Like you're saying, it could be your improv coming in. You know, it could be people bringing you lasagna every night because that's what you want to live on until I. Pizza, thank you, um, <laughs> and tacos. Um, so it's it, you know it's everybody's got a different thing, but um, it doesn't have to look like what it used to look like. You don't need yeah. to be in a white room in a box kind of thing. You don't have to be boxed before you get boxed. <laughs> yeah, know? and the, the whole thing now for, and I, I I'm hearing exactly what you're hearing a lot more of is that people in a community are getting together and saying, no, I don't want to go to a nursing home, but there's 20 of us or 10 of us or five of us. How about if we all pool our resources and form a community of people who can care for all of us, check in on all of us, you know? So there's, yeah. there's so many different models that are coming up. 
that I think are a lot better than what we've done in the past. Before, they used to talk about warehousing Mm. our old people or warehousing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you know, you think some of the, yeah, well, it was, they called them um, old age homes. Yeah. And really, I I think that at at the, the worst, they are warehouse. They're just tucked away in these places where they're ignored. Their basic needs are met mm-hmm. and sometimes not even that. And now we're saying, no, I'm, th- that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that in my community, we care for each other. So that's wild. You know, when you think about it, because even our cemeteries, I just did a, a walking tour through a cemetery with Scotty Williams and, Natchitoches, Louisiana, at the All-American Cemetery, the oldest cemetery in um, the Louisiana Purchase. And he was, we were, I mean, this was like, I think the last time he was on the show, I almost kept him for two hours. And then like, this was difficult because I only had 20 minutes. And I'm like, dude, there's so much to this. Um, But he was talking about, all of a sudden we're talking about, well, graveyard is connected to a church and then the churches ran out of room and then we got cemeteries. We were talking about how cemeteries became parks and outside the region. And it used to back in the 1800s, people would take their horse and buggies or, you know, getting into the car mode. It was like a family picnic time to go to the cemeteries. And so then now we we have a lot of historic cemeteries across this country that are literally dying and not funded. And it's like a passion project of mine that people understand, you know, master gardeners go in and, and try to keep them clean but they're forgotten. A lot of, you know, tombs you go through, they're, they're forgotten. And um, it's, you know, no matter what we all believe in, um, how uh, beliefs in how we get buried or not be buried or what religion, it doesn't really matter. These people have these stories. Anyway, so he was talking about all these, this is this term and that term and had a real education on this walk. And then he says, yeah. And then we had, you know, when it was the corporate cemeteries, I went, what? Like now we're in, like what you're talking about, warehousing, corporate cemeteries. And then I forgot, oh, yeah, there's people that funeral homes have their own cemeteries. And, you know, it's and, but it's like a corporate thing. It's kind of like corporate prisons. Oh. And so my mind just went, oh, my gosh, that's so cold. And um, anyway, there's there's we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, but don't be corporated. <laughs> yeah. Don't be boxed or corporated. But um, everyone, yeah, your your circle of, of loved ones can be how you want it. Okay. It really can be. Don't, I love so that. And what I'd like to do is, I said this at the in the middle, but I'd yes. like to remind people, make your list. Who cares? Yeah. And start thinking yeah. about it now, because if something happens to you, this is something that your family and your loved ones will appreciate if you can say, here's who you can go to to get help. Because you shouldn't have to do this on your own. And that is a gift that you can give people who love you. And to yourself. Yeah. And people want to care. They want to not have to ask. They want to know what to do. They want that communication. And if you can get it done early, that's good. You know? Well, thank you so much, Lee. It's always a pleasure. Everyone, souljourneydoula.com is the website to go to uh, for Lee. And also um, on the trust side, you can go to the trustarchitect.biz. So check her out there. Thank you so much, Lee. Thanks, Lisa. 
Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com.